Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoy it. If you're enjoying Pirate Living Podcasts and all the content we bring to you each week, you can support us and buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash pirate living. Other ways you can show your support as well, subscribe and follow Pirate Living Podcast, rate and review our show, and share this podcast with your friends. You can find us on Instagram at Pirate Living Podcast to keep up with the latest episodes, awesome guests, and bonus clips. Pop in and say hi. We love chatting with fellow pirates. You can also reach out to us uh, to learn more about our individual and group coaching programs. And as usual, keep creating good trouble. And now on to today's episode. Welcome to Pirate Living Podcast, where we highlight ordinary people living extraordinary lives. These are pirates who take small, bold actions daily to create social change. Pirate life is all about rebelling and breaking the rules for good. Creating lasting social change starts by first breaking our inner rules. After all, the hardest rules to break are your own. The pirates we highlight have dedicated themselves to creating good trouble. Today, we're once again talking with Cody Ringel. Last, uh, we last talked with him a few months back in episode 49. So if you haven't checked out that episode yet, we highly recommend going back and giving it a listen because we had a great conversation. Cody is a coach who's creating his own path. He helps individuals reclaim their active life and also helps gym owners create a business that serves them and their clients. Since we last talked with Cody, he's moved once again and made some uh, big life changes. Cody is now the head of operations at Active Life's first corporately owned facility. Uh, we also talked with Dr. Sean Pastuch in a previous episode who, uh, who runs Active Life. So go back and check out that episode as well. Um, but we will let Cody tell us the details of uh, his story. So Cody, we're glad to be talking to you once again. Um, like we said, we've made another big move in your life. Um, this time it's for a job rather than a girl. Um, but fill us in on what's been happening in your life since we last talked. Yeah. Well, first I appreciate, uh, you guys having me back on. It was a ton of fun the first time. So I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to the conversation. Us too. Um, man, since the last time we spoke. So the big change is I now live in Long Beach, New York, about 600 miles from, uh, Coldwater, Michigan, where I was at previously. Um, I moved here in June. So um, we'll take one step backwards, I suppose, um, the, around the beginning of the year. And a lot of this, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to, to Mark, our shared friend, Mark England. Um, a lot of my like personal growth development seems to have sparked out of going through Procabulary back in 2015, um, end of 2014, early 2015. Um, when it, when it dropped, I think that was it, right? 2015 or was it 16? I don't remember exactly the year. I didn't One know of those. about it. <laughs> okay. So I listened to the Barbell Shrugged episode, um, like everybody did back then who was involved in fitness and, um, ended up getting into vocabulary years later, going through and lifted levels one, two, and three, um, and lifted led me to, uh, well, um, strong coach actually led me to enlifted enlifted led me to training camp for the soul. Um, I met a not at the first lake house adventure, um, that all of those things revealed a ton to me about myself, um, that I was unaware of before. Mm -hmm. One of the things that, that really came up for me was that, um, I am really great at enduring, um, specifically, um, and I don't know, I can't speak from a female perspective, but for men, it's, it's really a badge of honor, right? To be the type of person who throws themselves on the pyre, self-sacrifice, like as a bit, and then you get that mixed with being a business owner and like, especially a CrossFit business owner, like martyrdom is a huge piece of that. And it's always like, you should be giving, you should always give more. You should just give things away. And if you do the right things, then people will come and they'll want to be members of your business. And, 
Um, they will help support you and help you succeed uh, because you have given to them and you have helped them. And a piece of that is true. A piece of that is very true. Like we would have, I would have never been in this position if I hadn't done all of the things before. But there's a there's another piece of that where at some point you tip the scale. You tip the scale from doing the right thing for the right people for the right reasons to falling into a pattern of self-sacrifice and doing things for other people. Um, so one of the things that I had noticed was at, towards the beginning of this year was I was deeply unhappy in Coldwater, Michigan for a lot of reasons. Um, and it had very little and nothing to do with the people who were clients in my gym and everything to do with me. Um, and I realized that me continuing to be there was another form of self-sacrifice. It was me saying, I don't really want to be here, but I'm going to stay here for the people. I'm going to stay here for the staff. I'm going to stay here for all of the wrong reasons. I'm going to make decisions for not for myself. Um, I know Angelo calls it, you know, you want to make decisions selfish with consideration, Angelo Cisco. And I was not doing that. I was making the more selfish choice actually by saying, by believing that I was doing something noble or being a good guy or whatever, um, by staying in a place that I didn't enjoy, which made me show up in a way that I didn't want to show up. But I like, as much as you try, um, it's not something that's easy to overcome. Like you just, environment plays a huge role in your mental, physical, emotional health and well-being. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things that are outside of your control. And that is one of those, like most of the time it is. And I've always lived by like telling people, look, you are in control of the things that you can control. If you don't like where you live, move. If you don't like your job, get a new job. And I've, as a coach, I'm, I was totally comfortable telling everyone to do that. So when that opportunity presented itself for me, I was like, oh shit, this is the exact same thing I've been telling everybody else to do. This is what I want to do. Like I'm inspired by this. I was no longer inspired by running my gym in my town. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, they asked me in April, they're like, hey, we, I made it known to them that I was interested in getting out of my gym and getting out of cold water specifically. And in April, they said, would you like to come on staff as a mentor for other gym owners in the ProPath? I had been in the ProPath since 2019 as the first cohort, um, which is the gym mentoring side of Active Life. And I said, yeah, that'd be great. Two weeks after that, they said, hey, we're advising gyms to run this model of high value personal training, high touch personal training. Um, and then into what we call the active life class or the hybrid class, which is more individual design based. We're telling gyms to run this model. We now believe that we should be doing this as, as a proof of concept. We need someone to run that facility and we would like that someone to be you. Hmm. I said, yes. And a month later I was here. A month after, or two weeks after that, rather, um, we had sold our house, packed everything up in a U-Haul that we hadn't sold, and we were out here at the end of, we were out here around 4th of July. So that's been the year so far. Um, we're two weeks away. Every time I put a date on it, it seems to get moved. So I'm just saying now, I'm saying we're a couple weeks away. We're a couple of weeks away from opening at the facility. It's in renovation under construction right now. Very cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, what was that transition out of your gym like for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so originally, when I, when I left originally just a few months ago, it was I had two employees who were going to stay on and run operations at the facility. Um, one of them decided to leave while I was gone. Uh, totally understandable. The other, uh, my head coach and I then had multiple long conversations about what the future looked like. We came to the agreement that we could most certainly thug it out. 
we could most certainly develop a new staff member, continue delivering service um, in the capacity that we could do it, put a lot of time, effort, and energy into really rebuilding like from that point. Not that we were in a point where we were had been torn down, but we were most certainly in another transitional phase. Mm-hmm. I was 600 miles away. Like typically how that works, if I'm in the if I'm the owner of the gym and I've stepped out of coaching and a coach leaves, I can step back into coaching. Like I fill that seat until we develop someone. 600 miles away that doesn't work. So it became very apparent to me that I was most likely going to continue to be one degree or one person removed from being pulled back into the gym. I had no desire uh, to do that. My head coach had moved on to, um, he had been presented an opportunity to um, start a, or to take over the, um, like the head physical education department at a place called Pan Sophia Academy in Coldwater, um, which he obviously said yes to. So the gym was no longer either one of our first priorities. Again, we could thug it out. We could train somebody up. We could invest all the time, effort, and energy. And my ego flared up at that time. And I was like, this ain't how we're going out. We are going to do this. And then through the conversations, we both identified that Oh, the reason that we would stay open would be for other people mm-hmm. to either show everybody that we could do it, right? For me to be the guy who lived in New York and still had a functioning gym in Michigan. Um, and then for the clients. the awareness that came around that was, I don't want to do that. I, I probably soft talk acknowledged. I probably could have uh, made it work. Mm-hmm. And I would have, I would be, we would be having a very different conversation right now. And it's only been a month. And when, once we made the decision, because we made the decision back in September that we were going to close, or actually back in August, that we were going to close in October. Like October 1, that was going to be the date. We're going to liquidate the equipment. We're going to say goodbye. We're going to bow it with grace. We're going to say thank you to everyone who was a client um, and help them find the appropriate next place for them. Um, and as soon as we made that decision, I was lighter. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit. So this is what Angelo was talking about all those years ago was selfish with consideration. Mm -hmm. So it was difficult in the beginning. Mostly it was difficult because I was combating my ego. The thing that told me that, you know, you're, you can be successful, right? And this is what success is. Success is being 600 miles away, having two, now we still have the, like, I still have the second gym, which I have a partner in CrossFit Angola, which is an unapologetic CrossFit affiliate. Um, and it's going great. The difference there is I have a partner who runs the operations and I do for him what I do for other gyms. I mentor him. We get on a call every week. We discuss the problems um, and the opportunities presented within the business and we create solutions. Um, and I love that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where I find myself. That's the evolution for me personally. That's what I want to be doing more of. It's really interesting when you're faced with these decisions that seem so hard to make at the time. And then the moment you make them, like you just get such clarity that you've, mm-hmm. you've done the right thing. And like you said, you feel so much lighter and Uh, like literally like the weight of the world is off of your shoulders. And it's, I'm wondering like, cause I know, I mean, I can speak for myself. I've had to make such a decision. Um, And I mean, I've moved countries multiple times. So I've made that decision a a few times um, and leaving things that, you know, you, you think you're supposed to be doing. Um, And I wonder what, other than ego, 
what are the things that are like tying you to these things that you know aren't serving you? Fear. And ego, e ego gets a bad rap, right? Like, I don't think ego is necessarily a bad thing. There's the stoic, like, kill your ego. All, but none of us would be here in the positions that we're in right now without our ego. Mm -hmm. That's not the problem. It's the, the ego that is, un, um, that is untempered. That is the problem. So, yeah, like, the ego was there, but it was, a lot of it was the fear. Like, what are people going to think about me? is one, right? Like I built my life in that town uh, for damn near 33 years. I wanted to be a success. I wanted to be a success for myself, but I also wanted to be perceived as a success by others. Mm -hmm. So what are they going to think about me? What if this doesn't work out? What if this big move that I made 600 miles, I closed the stable source of income that I had? What if this doesn't work out for me? What if I fail? Mm. What if everyone else starts to believe what I've always thought about myself? <laughs> that I can't do, I can't actually do this, that I'm full of shit, that I'm like, I'm going to be a failure. I heard an interesting, um, an interesting aside to that, like about imposter syndrome. Like, imposters don't get imposter syndrome. <laughs> and then I'm like oh shit so this is why I'm feeling that way like this is normal <laughs> this is like all the fear all of the things yeah mm -hmm. all of it all of it's normal like the things that I what I imagine the greatest thing holding people back is the fear mm -hmm. the fear of the unknown like it's it's the same reason that in the health and the fitness space that people stay 50 pounds overweight that people reside to a life of inactivity, that they make the decision that I am an injury, right? I have knee, it's, it, they go from, I have a knee injury to I am a knee injury hmm. because yeah. of the fear of the other side of the thing, right? What if I fail? What if this doesn't work? What if this is just another thing? We play the what if game, right? In the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the, that was the, the couple of the biggest ones for me. And like we discussed um, previously, like the death of my father had a profound impact on the fear aspect for me because like, we're going to die anyway. <laughs> Why not? What's the worst thing that happens? Yeah. <laughs> and you guys can speak to this. I'm sure being an entrepreneur, like someone who does their own thing, like we, this, this is why I wish everyone could have this experience of starting their own business and like starting a real business, not like multi-level marketing, like get on Herbalife, <laughs> but a like build it from the ground up because what you're going to find is that you can figure it out regardless of the shit that happens to you. <laughs> it's going to be challenging. Like you're going to have some setbacks. You probably will fail. But you build this muscle like I've always had enough, like enough money, whatever enough money is. I've always had a home. I've had enough to eat. I'm going to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And that's a really powerful place for people to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think that answers your question. Does and I mean the fear is is a big one, right? Mm -hmm. Like leaving. I mean, I left a good paying hundred thousand dollar year job during the middle of the pandemic to become a coach. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, there there got to be a point where uh I was broke. And the and which was my one of my biggest fears, like I'm gonna be broke doing this, mm -hmm. right? But and when I got to that point where I'm like, I'm not actually sure how I'm going to pay my rent next month. I was like, cool. You know what? Get off your ass and get a second job. And within a week I had two second jobs. <laughs> so I had three because just because you took that action. And I mean, the fear spurred me on because like, I didn't want to be a failure and I needed to pay my rent. Um, and then I got to choose which of those second jobs 
served me the best. Um, and I still do one of them because it's a pretty cool second job, basically doing exactly what I'm doing. Uh, it's still a coaching job. Um, but I think, and I think there's always other options, like in terms of, of like leading to becoming an entrepreneur, there's always like go drive for Uber Eats. Like, um, we're starting to work with a new coach at our gym whose gym closed during the pandemic. Um, and that's what he's been doing, driving for Uber Eats. And now he's going to come on to like shit happens. It, he quote unquote failed during the pandemic, but he makes things made it work, right? Made it work for him and his family so that he could still keep a roof over their head. So, I mean, the fear is a big one, the fear of the unknown and fear of failure. And it's what I've come to learn is that failure, quote unquote failure is actually not that big a deal because then you just pivot and you, you make some changes and you learn, um, and then you continue on. So failures are great lessons and great, like, yeah, part of life. <laughs> if you, if you don't live life because you're afraid of failure, then you're not going to live life. Mm -hmm. Full stop. That's yeah. That's one of the worst. I mean, for that's the worst outcome, right. Is to be the, is to be the guy or the gal who, gets to the end of this thing, whatever the end is, wherever the end is. And you're the, the shoulda, coulda, woulda guy or mm -hmm. gal. Right? If only I would have taken that out. Like it's the, old, uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar with this. The, the, I believe there's a book on it where they talked to um, people on their deathbed about their, their greatest regret. Right. We might've even five talked regrets about this. To the dying. We have talked yeah. about this many times. I'm reading yeah. it right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great book. Mm -hmm. And it's mostly around the action that they did not take the things that they did not do mm -hmm. and the regret that is associated with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I find that very interesting. I find that entirely fascinating. Um, it's yeah. the old, you know, it's for me, one of the things that, that codifies this is, is memento mori, right? It's the, it's, it's tattooed on my forearm. It's mm -hmm. remember that you will die. Remember you must die. Mm -hmm. This is, this is finite for all of us let that and there's two ways you can go with that right there's the nihilistic approach like why does it even matter man we're all going to die anyway or there's the hey take the chance go for it do the things that you want to do because there's six feet in the dirt on the other side of this for all of us yeah and if you can get yourself there and it's not necessarily it's like the, the way to get yourself there is to find the tribe, right? Find the like-minded people, get, like, do the things that you need to do. It's going to be difficult, but if you can get yourself there, it's a really freeing place to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to trump this Wi-Fi Wednesday happenings. <laughs> um, I just had my 40th birthday a few weeks ago death part. Um, we've also, we've been talking a lot about death. We recently end of life caregiver, um, mm. on the podcast, but I ended up now reading five after we've talked about it for over a year. <laughs> um, so, um, like that's been something I've been thinking about, but hitting like coming up to 40 for the first, it's like, I'm not immortal. Like I will die at some point. It's, it's been this off in the distance type thing, even though I've people die, but it's all of a sudden like, Oh, right. My body in a point where my hormone hormones are going to change. Like, I mean, my hair is already going white. I don't know why I haven't embraced that part earlier, but like realizing, yeah, does have an end. Um, I will not go on forever. And, uh, talking about recently, Lance and I talked about like, when we die, what do we want? Like done with our bodies or how do we want to cel celebrate or acknowledge it? And I realized with that too, I won't be there. I won't know what happens. So <laughs> why? Yeah. I, I can be afraid and I can stop doing things to try to prolong my life as long as I can embrace life. And it's an interesting place to be in. I don't yeah. know, it's, it's spooky season. I'm watching a lot of shows that say maybe you will be there. To watch. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. 
and that, it all goes it all goes back and it ties into like the perspective the frame that you come from right because you can do both you can do all of the things to help you and it's not necessarily about prolonging life right because let's say that you can live 150 years but at 70 you become a vegetable is that mm -hmm. living to you is that what you want to do i would argue no right some other people might be like well they'll figure out how to bring me back maybe it's quality of life right mm -hmm. it's it's making sure that you're existing in a way that is that that is helpful and is like makes you happy and makes you fulfilled and feel good and like you want to be doing those things so you like that's the proactive approach that you know eating well exercising getting sunlight meditating like doing mind like expanding all of the things you can do both right you can have this hey i'm gonna die and that's okay and I want to, I want this to be as good of a life as it can be for as long as I am here mm -hmm. and make your, like your decisions in alignment with that. That was one of the things that started to irritate my soul about a place like Coldwater. And I'm sure this happens. This is not just Coldwater. I'm sure that anybody from Long Beach would say similar things about Long Beach, right? Is that I watched people, I watched men specifically um, and women to, to be fair, make a decision that this is as good as my life gets. Mm -hmm. And then you saw the actions that fell in alignment with it. My mom worked in a factory for 27 years making hot dogs. And I worked there for one summer. And I watched a grown man, 45 years old, uh, kick over a bucket so that she had to get down on her hands and knees and pick that up because her job was to work sanitation. Like the best part of his day was making somebody else's day just a little bit worse. Mm -hmm. That is the type of life that I see people resigning them to. They make these decisions that my life's not going to get any better than this. Um, I got to work for Friday night. Like I just, I want to get done with work so that I can go sit on the couch and I can watch TV because that's the only escape. That's the only relaxation that I get. And then I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to wake up in the morning pissed off to do this all over again. And this is just what I'm going to do till the day that I die because I have a mortgage. I have a car that I'm over leveraged on. I've got kids who want to play sports and they deserve nice things. And I want to give them a better life than I had. Right. Which, which is awesome. It's great. But what I see with that is people equate that to uh, trying to buy them nicer things and over leveraging themselves rather than maybe providing better support, better education to them, better, like better parenting, right? They just want their kids to live this carefree life and it doesn't work as well. I don't see that it has worked as well anyway. Mm -hmm. And I'm open to being wrong on all of these things. But it's an interesting conundrum. I think that we, that we find ourselves in, um, that, 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 that point, right? The point on the ledge where you're looking into the abyss, you're looking into the gray, like you had talked about the unknown. And you, the beautiful piece about this is you get to make the decision at that point, mm -hmm. right? Do I step into this? Do I jump? Do I leap? Or do I resign, resign myself to the certainty that is known that it's the choosing the hell that I know versus the heaven that might be slightly uncertain. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit now more about active life and what you're doing with them. Yeah. So um, like I said, we're opening this facility as our, really it's our test kitchen. It's our proof of concept. It's the, we're telling gyms to, my gym ran this way. We're telling gyms to run a very specific model and to the, the director of ProPath, to his credit, um, he was like, Hey, you know, I really think we need to be doing this ourselves to work out some of the kinks of this or to, uh, to really advise people on how to do it well, we should be doing it because this doesn't exist. Our, our ambition, our, our mission, our, the facility, the space rather that we are creating doesn't exist in the market right now. So the mission of Active Life Long Beach, our first corporate owned facility is to provide education exercise and mentorship to the people who can't get what they need from the healthcare or fitness industry. Mm -hmm. So very often people are like, that's great. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Right? So the education side, 
we want people who come to us and begin working with us to start to perceive the workout as the third thing that we do with them. Because everybody, almost every trainer in every facility anywhere can put somebody through a workout. It doesn't take much. We all like, I'm imagining we all get that, right? It, it, it's, it never takes much to get somebody sweaty. Mm-hmm. Right? Give them shaky legs. What if when someone came to you, you were teaching them to, in, to understand what does, how am I interpreting pain, for example? So what's the difference between insult, irritation, pain, and injury? What is load versus capacity? How do I know if I'm doing enough to move my capacity line up mm-hmm. versus I'm spending too much time over the line and I'm actually, um, I'm actually working against my own fitness? What are the things that make up this graph that I'm creating? My stress diet, sleep, my anatomical dysfunctions, my functional diagnosis. Not only that, but then we go into, you know, what does work look like? What does stress look like? All of the things that you do before you even show up to the gym and try to put in an hour to get a workout might have you above your capacity line. Mm -hmm. So showing up to the gym that day at the end of the quarter, at the end of the month, when your boss is really in your ass about getting these reports done and making or making that final sale, showing up that day to do a hard air quotes, hard workout may be negatively impactful to your fitness overall, to your health overall, to your longevity, to your well-being. Mm-hmm. So if we can teach you to understand what all of these things mean, right? And this education process happens one-on-one with your professional. So yes, we work out, we solve for the problems that you might come to us with, the goals that you have. But we also, my selfish goal, our selfish goal is to get people to a point where they want and no longer need us. Mm-hmm. So I equate this to uh, climbing a mountain, right? We start everyone off with a phase of assessment. What that really means is we got to figure out what are all of the things that you need to be able to climb a mountain. And then we go into the acclimate phase, which is you working one-on-one with a professional. That's you and the professional walking together to get to base camp. It's doing all of the conditioning necessary, all of the things that you need to do to be able to even be like, all right, I'm ready to go climb this mountain now. The acclimate phase is you actually doing the work to climb the mountain. Your professional is there, they're your guide, your Sherpa, right? Taking you up to the top of the mountain. And what I believe and what we believe is going to happen at this point is you're going to get to the top of that mountain and you're going to look around and you're going to see other mountains. And you're going to be like, I want to go climb that one now. Mm-hmm. That's what we call the reclaim phase. Mm-hmm. Our role in this is to get you to the top of that first mountain, help you get there, and then determine, hey, is that mountain interesting to you? Would you like to go climb that mountain now? Okay, let's do all of the work necessary to go climb that mountain. Whatever that mountain is, it could be, um, you know, it could be running a marathon. It could be doing a Spartan race. For some people that we're talking to and some people that we're working with, that first mountain for them is being able to walk a mile without their back flaring up. So that's what we're focused on right now is we're doing a lot of this crafting and refining and figuring out what the message is. And then how do we start having meaningful conversations with people and build relationships in a way that allows them to understand and realize that, oh, this is not going to be what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Rather, this is going to be something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's an approach that just makes sense. Um, and having worked, I mean, something that you said about like, especially at like low versus capacity. And I remember many many years ago training for my like first olympic lifting competition and uh i got hit with like this really bad bout of insomnia Mm. and of course i'm at the gym early trying to train because like that's all i wanted to do was train because i was all like jacked and nervous and excited for this first competition and i just i just could not do it and i remember one of um our coaches at the gym just sitting me down and being like basically talking to me about like the 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 workout that you should be doing 
the workout that your body needs is not necessarily the one that you want to be doing. Mm -hmm. And then just spending the day, the, that, you know, that time doing some mobility work or whatever, something, you know, way more low key than what I had planned. And it's something that, um, in my experience, you, you come to understand once you've hit that tipping point, you've gone over that tipping point beforehand, it's hard to like understand that idea of low versus capacity and what's happening outside of the gym. Cause you, you can just keep going on like cortisol just keeps driving you forward and more and more, uh, until you crash. So as someone that's hit that crash, uh, that's really a big piece of it, um, that I don't think a lot of people consider. It, um, you know, we can tie this back to the conversation that, that Mark has, or that we've had it through and lifted in the language game, right? We can't see the forest, but for the tree, mm-hmm. right? It's, mm-hmm. it's all right here. We're training every day. We have this preconception, you know, I was a competitive athlete in high school and in college, right? And what did we do as athletes? Well, we trained. How often did we train? Frequently, mm-hmm. right? What was frequently? Well, as much as your, damn near as much as your body could take, it was at least five days a week. Mm-hmm right? And then you might have a competition. So you're training or competing six days a week. Okay, well, I was in pretty good shape then. Right? So if I want to get back in pretty good shape, I just need to do more of the things that I was doing back then. I need Mm -hmm. to train six days a week, I need to find a competition, I need to do all of these things. Right? And what happens is we get so lost, and we get so narrowly focused on what we believe to be this is, this is the thing because it's what used to work for me that we never stop, right? To your point, it was that the only thing that stopped you was the necessity to actually stop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was that. And then I stepped into, so my journey led me into CrossFit and I be, CrossFit became the outlet for my competitive energies, mm-hmm. right? Which again, what do you need to do for that? Well, you need to train. How often? Well, at least a couple hours a day, maybe a couple sessions right? You got to do this weightlifting because you need to get stronger, but you also got to do these interval stuff because you never know what's going to show up. And then you got to go get a run in. And it's like, okay, great. So on the other side of that coin, what's your recovery look like? Well, I mean, I eat pretty well, I think. Okay. Got it. What is pretty? Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's zone. It was zone. Yeah. Zone. Keto yeah now, zone right? in the day. Yeah. Right. Um, okay, great. What does your sleep look like? Oh, it could be better. Right. So what does that mean? Well, I don't have a consistent bedtime. I don't have any sort of nighttime routine. I don't have any sort of morning routine. I'm probably up, uh, scrolling on my phone when I'm laying in bed. So there's all of these things that happen outside of the, you know, if we're training five hours a week, Mm -hmm. that gives you 163 other hours. It's all of the time you're spent out there that we could be focusing on. We should be focusing on. You should be focusing on. But you're not thinking about that because you're in it, mm-hmm. right? You're not thinking about, well, if I take a day off, it's actually going to let my system, my central nervous system recover so that I can perform optimally two days later. All you're thinking about, and this has a lot to do with the world that we live in now is, oh, shit, they're training they're training right now and they're training really hard. So I better not miss a day because if I miss a day, they're going to lap me. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a very interesting kind of thing that gets us. I mean, back to the analogy, it gets us right here versus that, Oh, here's what it really looks like. Mm -hmm. And we don't slow down till we're forced to slow down. And in the world of physical fitness and exercise that most often uh, presents itself and manifests itself in the form of an injury. Right. Rather it be a true injury, like I need to get an ACL replacement or my knee just really bothers me when I squat. Mm. So I'm going to stop squatting so much. Mm. Cool. What are you going to do next time? You got to get off the toilet. (laughs) Right. And I I had a coach ask me this question when I I used that analogy before. And I had a coach ask me that question, this question, he said, um, or he made this statement rather. He's like, that sounds a lot like what we do inside a CrossFit gym, right? Climbing the mountain. And my response was as a former affiliate owner, the answer is maybe. Mm. And the answer is maybe because 
Yeah, for some of the people. But if we're going to be honest and accurate, and we're really looking at this thing, how many people were failed by because there was that methodology? Like, think about the 100-pound weight loss. I have one 100-pound weight loss client to my credit. Why don't I have 50? There are definitely more than 50 people in my area who needed my support. Mm -hmm. It was because that was something that I also did. It was not the thing that I do. Mm -hmm. What we're trying to do here and the type of people that we're trying to serve here are those type of people. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're the people who feel like outliers in the other gym. They go to the 24 hour place or they go to the CrossFit gym and they get personal training but they don't really feel like it's for them, right? They don't really feel like that's the thing that they do. They just feel like it's something that's offered. And well, this would be like, it's better. Mm -hmm. So what we're asking ourselves and what we're trying to determine um, is what would it look like? What would the journey look like for somebody who from day one, it was always and only exactly what they needed? So we take a long time figuring out if somebody's a good fit to be a client with us. I do an hour long discovery call mm -hmm. and then we do an, at least an hour long consultation mm -hmm. to determine if and how. And then most likely that person is going to need somewhere 60 to 80 one-on-one -on -one sessions mm -hmm. before we even reassess or reevaluate. The reason that we say between 60 and 80 is we might, you know, everybody's an individual. If we do 60 sessions, it's going to take us five months to get there doing three days a week, five to six months doing three days a week, assuming that you don't take any time off. Mm -hmm. You're going to be an entirely different person in six months than you are right now. Mm -hmm. We might get to 50 of those 60 sessions and realize, yeah, you know what? You're going to be ready for whatever the next thing is in 10 sessions. We might also get to 50 and realize, oh, this person actually needs 80 or 100 sessions before they're ready to move on. And moving on for us looks like what we're calling our autonomous session, where it's a small group. There'll never be more than 10 people in the group. They come in, they have their individual programming. There's still a common session time, right? So what that means is there's still be like, we'll have a 6 a.m. and a 5 p.m. session, for example. The 10 people in that session will be doing their own individualized programming. They get the benefit of being, you know, a part of the group, like with other people. Um, and there's still a professional there to help make sure that they're moving safely, effectively, efficiently. There's still a professional there to answer any questions and assist, right? It's just now I'm really good on my own and I no longer need one-on-one -on -one training. Mm -hmm. But I want to keep doing this thing because I'm starting to get closer to I'm like, I'm ready to climb that mountain now. Mm -hmm. I want to keep doing this thing. Great. Here's your programming that you can read and understand because you know how to move really well and you know how to move well. Come in during this common time and get it done. Mm -hmm. And how, um, just because of like how my gym and my where I'm from is all mm -hmm. about coach development. So what does your coach development process look like in creating professional coaches? Yeah, that's a great question. So to start, the average education for a professional in the fitness space is a high school diploma and a between a two hour and a two day certification. And that's not a knock on anybody. Dude, I started the exact same way. Mm -hmm. Our professionals go through a 13-month education process that we have created. It's called ALP, Active Life Professional. So during that process, they learn everything from um, the anatomy that's going to be relevant to them to complete their to do their job really well, how to coach excellently, how to assess, how to program um, everything into orthopedic considerations, breath work. Over the course of 13 months, um, they're able to, on the other end of that, and even it's not that it takes 13 months before you can start doing any of this stuff, mm -hmm. right? So for, for people who are like, oh man, I got to go to school for a year before I can start working with clients. We have people who sign up for ALP who 
like give yourself some credit, right? Like there's a lot of things that you can do excellently as a coach and as a professional right now. Mm-hmm. So we have professionals that are coming in who they they're already established professionals. They've been doing it. They have experience. They've gotten some reps. So now we're saying, hey, we're going to really focus on your personal and professional development. Here's 13 months of education. You're going to spend somewhere between three and 10 hours a week on this for a year and a month. And on the other side of that, you're going to have a certification that says you're an ALP, you're an active life professional. So anybody who comes, the answer to your question is anybody who comes on staff with us is either in that education at some level already, or that is a part of what they're signing up for when they sign up to come on staff with us. Is that like the evolution of, what was it called? The coach immersion? Yeah. So a long time ago, it used to be immersion. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was, so I went through immersion when I first started Act Life. That was like three months long. Mm-hmm. So that now makes up one of the first parts of this ALP. Gotcha. I'm curious, is like sales training part of what you do with your coaches? Yes. Yep. Um, and it's not in the way, it's, it's different, right? So if there's two separate paths that we, that we work with people through, like, so ALPs would be, um, you know, somebody says, hey, I want to do this at my own gym somewhere else. Mm-hmm. right? Versus I'm going to be a part of a pro path gym, or I'm going to be a part of an active life gym. Um, those that sales education looks slightly different because the needs of the professional in a traditional CrossFit gym or a 24 hour gym, for example, are going to be different than the needs of somebody who, Hey, this is our mission. And this is only what we do. Mm-hmm. So yes, we like, for example, the staff that we have now, we have two and a half hours a week of sales training. We'll call it sales training. Um, and what that really is, is us sitting down and having conversations about, hey, what is it that we, that we really sell, mm. right? So if you were to, most of the time, if you were to ask a, a gym who's being honest and accurate and authentic with themselves, what is it that you sell? The answer is some variation of fitness, right? What we call abs, ass, and ego. And that's great for the people that it's great for right? Be unapologetic about it. Mm-hmm. What we are trying to do, what we are really selling is we are selling independence. Because again, to go back to the, we want to get people to a point of want and no longer need. My, my end vision for this is that you, if you were to say, hey, I want to be a client at Active Life Long Beach, my end vision for this is we do such a good job of educating you on how to, to understand how to, what injury is, how to, how to deal with a setback when it happens to you, because we know that the, the, greatest, um, the greatest precursor of future injury is past injury, right? So it's likely to assume that if you've ever injured your back, your knee, your shoulder, it's going to happen to you again. Mm-hmm. The question is not if, the question is when. And then what are you going to do about it? So if we can educate you and get you to a point where when you deal with a setback from whatever, you, you, you reach down to pick up a toy and you sneezed and your back went out, again, how do you overcome that setback versus I reached down to pick a toy up, I sneezed, my back went out. And the reason that I use that example is that's a real example from a client that I had once. Um, and now I'm, I I can't do anything for a month. I need to take the month off. Great. Are you taking the month off from work? Well, no, I can't do that. Are you going to take the month off from your kids? If you're, if your daughter says, Hey, daddy, pick me up. You'd be like, ah, sorry, honey. I'm taking the month off. (laughs) Right. So how do we deal with that? How do we overcome that? How do you start to understand? Like, hopefully take out hopefully if we do our job really well and i believe that we will do that we will within i don't know a year two years everybody that we work with would have the capacity to write their own programming solve their own problems achieve their own goals and then if they choose to work with us it's because they want to it's not because they need us 
I don't see, I've been in the game long enough. I don't see anyone else doing that with their clients. Mm -hmm. I don't see anyone else saying, Hey, great. I'm going to bring you on as a one-on-one -on -one client. And, um, by the end of this, I want you, I want you to be able to write your own workouts, hold yourself accountable, overcome every setback that you have and come to me if you need support, not because you need support. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely changing the way like you look at and approach fitness in general. Like, what we're trying the, to do. Giving the power to the clients and we're so used to giving our power away from to the experts and Yeah. I like that method. <laughs> well, it's, let's be honest, it's it's more sustainable, right? Like for your energy. So you've both done coaching, right? You've both been engaged in coaching. At some, I, I imagine you've, you've hit this point, right? And you can correct me if I'm, if, if I'm wrong, but I imagine that you've hit this point where you're working with a client for six months or one year, or maybe even longer. And they get to the point where you're like, we've gone as far as we can go. Mm. Like you're done with me. You don't need me anymore. Mm -hmm. the right thing to do at that point is to let them know, right? I don't want you to need me all of the time for multiple reasons. One, I'm never teaching you how to be independent, but two, like, I'm not going to want to coach you for a year and a half or two years. I'm going to get bored of this. Mm -hmm. Like I want to grow. I want to progress. I want to work with different clients. Like I have wants, needs, desires as well. And for me to continue taking your money is the, is the, is the decision in my interpretation is the decision out of alignment with integrity, because you're never actually teaching someone how to fish. You're just telling them, Hey, you know what? As long as I fish for you, you're going to eat. <laughs> that kind of sucks. Take out the kind of. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So what if we tried something different? And that's a lot of where this started, right? Is like the what if statement. What if? What if we tried something different? What if you could? What if you can really, um, you, can, you can reclaim your active life? What if we could be the bridge between healthcare and fitness? What if we could help serve the people who feel like they're falling through the, the cracks? Because it's not just people who have pain that they, that they've that I've had a knee replacement or a hip replacement and I still have pain. Right? We get we get a fair amount of those. They're like I'm cleared for exercise. Um, my physical therapist said that I I just I need to ease back into it and I don't know what the hell that means. Mm -hmm. We also are getting like there's there's the other side of the spectrum of the people who don't have any what we call pre-existing conditions. Right. And they just they want support. They want accountability. They want a professional to help them get on the road. They want someone to educate them. But you know what? They've been doing CrossFit for five years or 10 years. They feel good. Like, I don't have a ton going on. I just don't want to do that anymore. And I don't know how to do this for myself. Mm -hmm. Those are the clients that we also want to work with the type of people that we can't work with and that the type of people that we're having conversations with and we're telling we're not a good fit to work with you are the type of people who, um, you know, they're like, yeah, I had a surgical recommendation for my shoulder, but I don't really want to get surgery. I want to see if this will fix it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we're not going to be able to work together until you get a second opinion and you get medical clearance. Or the other side of it is, yeah, I don't really have any, I just want to kind of be generally more fit. And I want someone to, you know, maybe call me out on my stuff sometimes. And I'm going to make it a priority most of the time, but I'm going to do a lot of other things too. We're like, great. So the level of commitment, personal commitment that we're going to ask for you is going to be way above what I imagine that you're ready for. So I would like to make a recommendation to one of the other businesses in town. Mm -hmm. that we believe would be a better fit to help you solve your problem and be a better fit for you, mm -hmm. which is a really cool place for us to be. So we started a podcast for this, um, for this location called Long Beach Locals, where we interview other local businesses, including other gyms and gym owners. Mm -hmm. 
because we want to be the place of connection for this community. We're going to have clients who come to us that we're not the best fit to help. If you come to me at Active Life Long Beach and you tell me that you want to add 50 pounds to your snatch, like, great. There's a place uh, down on the West End called Long Beach Strength, and I'm happy to connect you with the owner down there. It's knowing who you are, who you want to serve, right? And this is where I think that most of us in the fitness realm got it wrong for a long time. So we tried to be the right fit for everybody, mm -hmm. right? I did, I know I'll speak for myself. I certainly did this. And it goes back to, I can help everybody. And it goes back to the example of the person who lost hundred pounds in my gym. Um, I was the most inspired by working with her mm -hmm. and I still do some coaching with her. I, I would have wanted to fill my gym up entirely with her, mm -hmm. but I also wanted to like help everybody. Like I wanted to be perceived as the place that could help everybody achieve any one of their goals. The people who really need it, they're going to find it. That's my, the way I currently believe is fitness, like the fitness, people who find fitness and they go out and they seek it and they're busting their ass at the 24 hour gym and they're getting after it in the CrossFit gym and they're going to Orange Theory or F45 religiously. Those are the type of people who would find a way to do it regardless. Mm. And I had this conversation with Stu Brower, and this might be one of the reasons that I'm so attracted to the type of person like the, the hundred pound weight loss client is because he, we, him and I were on a podcast or having a phone call one time. And he's like, um, dude, you know, guys like you and me, we would do this thing regardless. And I was like, I sat back and I said, we're not the same. I wouldn't do this regardless. I'm not the type of person who goes on a vacation and has to take a kettlebell with me <laughs> so that I can get a workout in every day. Mm -hmm. I need support. I need account. I want that. Mm -hmm. And I want to help people who need and want that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I like what you say about there's like, there's people out there that are going to get it done regardless. Um, like I know my, um, primary clientele base is like women, my age-ish. So in their forties who have never done fitness before in their life, yeah. I love working. I love teaching them how to deadlift and like just the, you know, just generally exercising and having those conversations of like, cause I was there that, oh, I used to just go to like the ladies only section and hit the stairmaster because that's all I knew because no one taught me. And I was too embarrassed to go and do, try anything over where all the men were, where the big weights, like, mm -hmm. um, so knowing that and really just leaning into that and having, you know, 80% of my clientele be that just makes it. So I want to show up every day because I get to, you know, teach the next, you know, whatever, 35 to what's my oldest client, almost 60 year old, how to exercise right for their body. And it, it's, it brings a lot of like a lot of joy and uh, fulfillment to like bring out their like inner jock that they never mm. knew they had <laughs> like, see, see what your body can do. You just needed someone to teach you how to do it. Um, so I love what you say about that. Like I get a few of their husbands come and work with me and they're sure. fine. They're cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I like them. Like they got good taste in women. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's, it's important to know like who, who your ideal client is, right. Yeah. Something that, you know, we learned in the strong coach program, figuring out who your ideal client is so that you can enjoy showing up every day. Um, and, uh, you know, we have this new coach coming into our gym and, you know, kind of made a comment about how it's like all, all these soccer moms and stuff. I'm like, yeah, dude. And I make a good living working yeah. with all of these soccer moms because, because right. guess who's not going to, um, you know, 24 hour fitness and getting it done on their own. Uh, that's 
kudos to you for that. And I imagine if a lot of that fulfillment and that energy that you get from it, I could, I could see it when you were talking about it. Like you really do, you're, you're energized by it and you love it. Mm-hmm. It's that clarity, right? And that starts with the understanding that there is more than enough, right? It goes back to the abundance versus the scarcity, mm-hmm. right? Like that's one of the things that I notice in fitness in the, in the industry is this, this area, for example, I think has like 12 fitness options. Mm. There are 30,000 people here. Mm-hmm. If you, if each one of the 12 were like, all right, this is exactly the type of person that I work with. And I only want to work with a hundred of them. Mm-hmm. You're going to leave 28,000 other people. There's plenty of people. (laughs) You just need to get, you can get really good at talking to that one person or that one type of person and servicing them and, and working with them in such a way that it allows you to feel fulfilled, inspired, make the impact and income that you want. Mm -hmm. And and it's better for them. It's better for them. It's better for you. Mm -hmm. Because I imagine that like, if somebody were to come to you and say, Hey, um, I want to be a strong man. You'd be like, ah, fuck, I guess I could figure <laughs> it out. Am I like, is it my unique gene? Are you the type of person that I work with all the time? Yeah. No. So what are you most likely going to do in that situation? Refer them to someone else. Perfect. <laughs> Cause there's more than enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I mean, I, the, where I work, we have what's called coach co-op. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, it's great because we, we, each of the coaches do have their own, like, like you said, special, unique skill set. So we've got a mobility guy, we've got a golf fitness guy, we've got, uh, you know, we have someone that does all of these things. So it, it is great that like, um, when someone comes to me and they're like, you know, dude, I really need to work on my mobility. I'm like, cool. So do I, so maybe I should send you to go uh, work with this guy. Right. Um, and it works both ways, right. When they get, you know, a, a new client coming in in the throes of perimenopause and they're like, I don't know what to do with this woman. And they're like, just send them to me. Um, so it, it works that way that even just within our, our group and this coach co-op that we have places to send them. And, you know, if someone came to our gym and they're like, I want to compete in CrossFit, then that's when we'd be like, cool. I'm going to recommend that you try this gym. Cause that's, yeah. that's just not what we do. Right. So it is that, like that scarcity mindset that where people are just holding on to people that they know deep down, they're not going to be able to serve properly or as good as well as someone else can, can serve them. Um, so yeah, let them go. So it makes more room for the people you do want to work with. Right. It all goes back to how we started the conversation around fear. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Right. And there's ways, there's tactics, there's, there's things that you can do to overcome that, right? Graded exposure. Like you can do all of the things. You can Google this and you can figure out the things to help you overcome whatever your phobia or your fear is. Mm-hmm. In my experience, and this is all that I can speak from is my experience, is that it's leaning into it. Mm. It's okay to be on the edge of the cliff. It's okay to be scared, first of all. Like, give yourself permission to be terrified, Mm -hmm. to be afraid, to not know what other people are going to say, think, or do. Mm. And do it anyway. That's, oh man, that's the, that's the thing that I see. That's one of the things that one of the greatest things I see separating people who create the lives that they want and the people who bitch about having the lives that they don't want. Mm -hmm. The people who created it, they recognize the fear, the uncertainty, and they said, I'm going to do this anyway. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. (laughs) <laughs> and that Me with too. that <laughs> yeah uh where can our listeners go find uh more find out more about you and and what you guys are doing there in long island 
Yeah. Um, so coach Cody Ringle on Instagram, on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, all Cody Ringle. Um, and then active life long beach is on, um, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, all the places. Awesome. Uh, and before we wrap up, I'm at Kristen, do you want to try anything? Do you have anything to say? See if there's anything I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I really like this conversation we had and the great advice of do it anyway, yeah. <laughs> such, such a good way of wrapping it up. Um, I don't have anything else to, to add. Um, really appreciate you coming back again yeah, i'm thankful uh i'm thankful for you guys inviting me so thank you very much for that thank you for listening to this episode we hope you enjoyed it if you did subscribe and share with your friends you can also find us on instagram at pirate living podcast to keep up with the latest episodes awesome guests and bonus clips pop in and say hi we love chatting with fellow pirates you can also reach out to us to learn more about our individual and group coaching programs and keep creating good trouble.